Welcome to Double Dose of Raw Talk Podcast, your weekly dose of many discussions and opinions, a show where we get comfortable being uncomfortable. And remember, no topic is off limits. Now let's talk about it. So, all right, guys, welcome back to another week and another episode on Double Dose of Raw Talk Podcast. I am your host, Misty, and today we have an exciting episode. Uh, We have an amazing guest coming on board. Um, from a pretty dope podcast. I love the platform uh, you have created. And so I'm going to open up the mic for you to be able to introduce yourself. Thank you. Uh, I'm Marcy from Comadreando Podcast. I'm the host. Uh, I am a mother. I am a teacher. I am a mommy chula from the Mami Chula Social Club and a Dominicana from the Heights. Que mas? Uh, nothing. Uh, I don't know what else. <laughs> like as if that's not enough. No, they call, oh my they God. call me todologa, like all my friends, um, uh, the ladies from my salon and, and, and all the ladies from the social club because I'm literally have my hand in everything. So I love the concept of the salon mm-hmm. and I love that you talk about that um, because that is my safe haven when I listen, I have my friends, I have my best friends, my best friends know I talk to them about things. But I really feel like the person I always catch up with is my girl from the salon that is taking care of me, that she's there for me. And like, we just know each other, like, it is a different level of knowing each other. And it's so true, because there on the next chair is the other person I've never met mm-hmm. and I'm getting to know her there in the entire time I'm there mm-hmm. and somehow we can relate to each other and somehow we can talk with one another and you never know who you meet it's in the neighborhood turns out we have the kids our kids in the same school yeah. like there's just so much when it comes to the salon and for those of you who don't know what a salon is it's literally the salon where you go it's your, com- I like to call it like the community culture right there. Um, people are getting their hair done, manicures, pedicures. I mean, you name it. What What isn't happening at the salon, right? Yeah. Um, and so when you think of that concept, right, it's just wonderful for, to really meet someone there and for things to come out of that, like including friendships. Yeah. So I love that concept 1,000%. Yeah. Um, can you give a little bit of light to... Comadriando Podcast and the name itself because I've definitely said the name here before um, but just give a little bit of light for my listeners to understand a little better. Okay so Comadriando basically is your virtual comadre time so um, the concept came out of the fact that I grew up seeing my mom and her best friend get together Um, they wouldn't get together all the time they would get together uh, once or twice a month and um the kids would play, right? We would all be in our rooms playing, talking, and then they would have their own comadre time. So their comadre time consisted of having, okay, so we would be playing in the in the, in the the rooms or whatever, and my mom and my aunt would um, be in the kitchen, and um, I was the oldest, so I would always be entre metia, like trying to be in the kitchen, and like know all the, all the, all the tea, and they would always kick me out, they'd be like, no, no, it's comadre time, only the comadres can hang out. And um, I would have to leave. But I started doing that with my best friend as we got older and we became moms. So we would um, catch up and talk about all the things that we couldn't talk about over the phone. Because we would talk every day. This is like my best friend. We were actually, we went to kindergarten together. We didn't know each other. 
like actually she had a picture of me because I was like a doofball like I was like a nerd I was like running behind her and she was like posing for a photo she has she's her mom snapped a picture as I was like running behind her I had these crazy bangs because you know I have curly hair so my mom like used to like comb out my curls so yo tenia un pajon you know and I'm running behind her and then um, we met up in high school and they're like, yo, do I know you from somewhere? And we reconnected that way. But um, after that, like, as we became adults, um, we just, when we had children, we just kept on the same tradition of comadre time. So we would sit down and like spill the tea and like really be intimate with each other and like really talk about things that we didn't feel comfortable talking about with other people. So um, I wanted to bring that, because my friend passed away actually. Uh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, when I was like 31. It's been seven years. So uh, I wanted to bring that sense of community and intimacy to my podcast. I wanted to have a platform where parents of children with special needs, and not just parents of children with special needs, but just everybody, had that kind of um, sisterhood or, you know, friendship where you can get together and discuss things that you wouldn't feel comfortable sharing with your own family. Like we were talking about this before we started recording, but um, sometimes with family, uh, they don't really understand where you're coming from. And sometimes you need a person who's not objective to be able to listen to you and offer you advice, or maybe just be a listening ear for you in that moment of whatever you're going through. Absolutely, absolutely. I wanna be, I wanna be very transparent on something. I think it's fair to say that uh, there's different levels to the concept of parenting and motherhood, right? And so, you know, I like when people always say, oh, you know, there's always someone who has it worse than you do. Um, and I have sometimes a problem with that phrase because I don't think it's about it being worse, right, when it comes to motherhood and parenting. I think what it has to do with is it being a different journey. Yes. You know, um, because by saying, oh, you know, they have it, it's one thing about life in general, right? Or like health, right? But when I think about parenting and parenthood and motherhood, um, I don't like to classify it being worse when my story is different as a mother compared to others, right? Um, I think it's a true misconception sometimes and it could be very judgmental. And I think what's great is to create a platform where you can have all sorts of conversations when it comes to you being a mother and me being a mother instead of versus yeah. you, you know, the you mom, me mom. It's not a versus thing. Yeah. It's like there's different things we might experience. Yes. Yes. Different journeys. But there's so much we could probably relate to one another as far as like our feelings go. Of course. Right. And then saying, and so, saying some, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but saying something yeah. like that kind of invalidates people's, people's experiences. You can't say like, oh, somebody has it worse than you. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be sad. You shouldn't feel depressed. Right. You shouldn't feel whatever. Um, I honestly feel like everybody's feelings are valid and my experience is different than your experience we all come from different backgrounds and the way we handle things is different because we're different individuals so those experiences are all valid and I feel like like what you're saying it shouldn't be a versus I'm like a girl's girl yeah. I'm like I'm supporting yeah. women I don't care what you want to do I'm like yeah let's do that right yeah so I'm the same thing with moms like if your type of like if, if the way that you're mothering is different than mine then so be it, you know what I'm saying? But it, it like I wanna provide I wanna provide that that sense of community and to be able to bounce ideas off each other and kind of be like, Oh, I didn't think of it that way, you know? That's so amazing, Mercy. I really appreciate you even um, being so transparent with that again, because I don't think a lot of us um, have the voice or the microphone to be able to do so. And I do think it's on us to 
to be able to create those platforms and bring people to the table to have those type of uncomfortable discussions um, and make it normal to be comfortable in that uncomfortability um, because we we're so often as mothers made to feel like you're not supposed to say that you're not supposed to admit that why would you oh my god it's like all of a sudden if I say the wrong thing according to God knows who I'm the wrong mom I'm the bad mom I'm I'm the bad person and I I personally do not like that um so thank you for that clarification um you guys are going to have the show notes and the links to her show. Um, and I definitely want you guys to go support that. Um, also, fun fact, I'm very huge with the um, name of the comadreando because of what comadre means. Um, you know, very much so for me, la comadre is, you know, the person who is the god godmother to your child. But it's more to that, right? So when I look at who my comadres are, we're either cousins or sisters but essentially, it is about having that best friendship in that person that you can go to one another and truly trust in them so much and have that moment with them, that vulnerable moment. And I can honestly say I'm very blessed that when I think of who are my comadres, we have an intimate moment ever so often. And you can't take that for granted. And you're supposed to be able to say, you know, you have your sister, you have your person, you have all those people. But is that comadre that just you just have a bond? It's just a mutual understanding. Excuse me. So I love the concept itself and the name. So we're going to go right into the raw mess of the week um, on the show. We always open up the show with this and it's not necessarily so, so messy, but I definitely want to bring to the table because it was something that was definitely all over social media and it's not something that is strange to what I like to call our regular deglish, regular people like Cardi B calls us, right? Um, I'm a regular Douglas regular mom. So are you. Um, I mean, I think we're special, but, you know, regular Douglas, you know, from the hood, you know. I love that you say you're from Washington Heights. I'm from, listen, I'm not going to give the former address where I grew up, but, I mean, Webster, between Webster and Jerome, Girl. 174, yeah, that was that was my hood. You know, that's where I grew up. So we, we know a little bit about what it is to grow up um, with familiarity um, and different dynamics in family, right? And so me, I am a single mother. And... Having to share birthdays and things like that and visitations. I just rolled my eyes. I'm sorry, guys. You couldn't see that. I know. I know. It's it's really hard. And, you know, for my story now is his father lives in a completely different state. So it was it was a transition into having to be okay with him flying by himself. Um, having to be okay with sharing a whole summer without him, having to sacrifice sometimes certain um, trips that I normally used to take because his vacation would become visiting his dad, right? Um, Kanye West went on a rant recently about his daughter's birthday, saying that he was looking for the birthday party. Kim Kardashian wouldn't tell him where it is. Um, you know, he didn't want his baby child, Chicago, thinking that he didn't remember her birthday or he wasn't going to be there and he's doing things to be able to be there. I don't know if you heard, mm-hmm. he even bought mm-hmm. the, the house across the street from Kim to be, you know, close. And it made me think a little bit, right? I know they got money. I know they're famous. I know all of that. But in the concept of having to separate divorce and now having to share custody in their cases for children, mine is just one. I, I, I come to, to the terms of where are we today in life as far as the sharing of the custody? Like, are people not having separate birthdays? Are we still trying to 
lead with the concept that it's best to share the custody and share the birthdays, share all sorts of different levels of co-parenting. Because at that point, forget that Kanye's famous. Forget that Kim is famous. That's a mom and a dad. To Chicago, that's mom and dad. You know, our kids, you know, we think about what is to their benefit. What would they want? Do they want to see their parents together in special events like that or not? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And I'm not trying to make it messy, but it's a reality, y'all. No, so... um... So the fact that they're famous, let's just take that out of the equation. Um, I feel like it was messy, um, especially because of the fact that they might not be completely healed from their breakup. Clearly, Kanye is feeling a certain way about it, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's reflecting. And for me, what should have happened is that maybe Kanye should have had his own celebration for Chicago on his own um just because of the fact that they don't have that relationship yet where they're cordial to each other that takes a long time to work out and they're not there yet uh clearly Mm -hmm. he needs to go to i've been saying he needs to go to therapy for a minute i mean Mm -hmm. before he got with him but um uh Mm -hmm. he needs to go to therapy i think she does too because that's kind of petty like what she did is is a little petty Mm -hmm. for me Mm i don't know Mm -hmm. pero también eh, eh, como te digo He's not roti. Not everybody's going to like him. And if she doesn't want to hang out with him for, for her child's birthday, that's okay. Because that's another thing. Don't think I'm like, everybody knows me on the show. When they watch the YouTube channels, like, I cannot hide my expressions on my face. And I try really, really hard. But if mm-hmm. my son's father were to roll up at his birthday and we didn't, like, let's say it was the beginning of the divorce, right? And he would have, mm-hmm. were to just show it up, pop up like that. I wouldn't be able to show, like, hide my face. Like, my face would be, like, completely dis- not disgusted, just, like, in a bad mood. And I wouldn't want to bring that energy around my child, personally. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I know people, I know dads that, like, really want to be around their children, and, like, they really resent the fact that they have to be, like, a weekend dad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've dated a couple of them. And, and I know it's hard, but also, like, we have to think about what's best for the child. If you don't have that relationship with the child's mom, where you can be cordial to each other and um, share with each other, then then it doesn't have to be that way. It could be another way. There's not only one way to parent, you know? Um, the, like, I can say that, like, out of all the moms that I know that are divorced, I feel like one mom of my friends has a really good relationship where they actually do Thanksgiving together the dad brings oh his girlfriend. She brings her boyfriend. And she's like, un ejemplo a seguir. I'm not there yet. Pero Dios la bendiga. I love her. She's like, she's like one of the innovators, like, a, a, of, like, momming, I guess. Um, at least divorced momming. Because I'm just like, yeah. wow, that's, that's really, that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? Pero, no sé, like, eso estaba. I have to. I have to um, admit, you know how you said um, Kanye need help like way before Kim. Um, when things were going like spiraling while he he was with Kim, and Kim kept kept saying like, you know, it's not on her, whatever. I I'm gonna be very honest. You guys already know we get real uncomfortable here with a lot of my opinions, right? And and um, compared to a lot of unpopular, um, more more so popular opinions that it's all on him. I feel that her as his wife, she also had a part in a lot of his spiraling too, mm-hmm. right? I do feel that way. But now that they have entered into separation and divorce, and they're doing exactly what needed to be done for their mental health, both of them, because they were both doing this damage, right? 
at this point, I also need him, like you said, to give her time now too. Um, because as a woman, and this is the part where I have to be a woman, right? And I have to see it from her lens as well. I remember in the beginning of my divorce, my child was still very, very young. I forced myself to have to be comfortable in certain situations all for my child. You know, my parents were at war with him. My family was at war with him. And I used to have to fight for the whole, we're going to keep it respectful. We're going to keep it cordial because Mm -hmm. it's for my son, right? And we were successful at that, which is great. But reflecting now on how uncomfortable certain instances were for me, and I did it to keep the peace, right? Um, I realize now that I did more damage to myself and to my healing, Mm -hmm. and I was causing myself more anger than anything. And so fast forward to today, you know, we co-parents very well. We recently, very transparently, um, had a bit of a setback because there was a lot of miscommunication going on. Um, But you know what? At this point, I did refuse to have to make myself uncomfortable. I did refuse to ever feel the way that I did 10 plus years ago. I wanted to make sure there was certain levels of boundaries, too, so I can keep leading my peaceful life. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm on Kim's side here. I, too, would not have given him the address to the birthday party. You want to spend time with her? Great. Let's agree on when you can spend time with her for her birthday. Do your thing with her. But Kim also has to be okay. A woman also has to be okay with her peace and her levels of happiness or anger. Her emotions, you have it. Because a divorce is not easy, neither is a separation. And it's really hard to keep, like you express, the facial expressions intact in front of your kids, too. Like, it's so hard to do that. Um, so I agree with you. It was totally messy, in my opinion. Um, and I di- definitely wanted to open up the show with that conversation. <laughs> um, because, again, take away their millions. At the end of the day, there's still people. And there's still parents. And there's still kids involved. Um, and it's a real conversation we do have to continuously have and be comfortable with it. Um, as a woman, I don't. I no longer like the fact that us women were constantly being made to feel like we have to always comply, you know, and that part I got it. I got to give it to Kim. Um, I know eventually he did show up to the party and I hope it was safely on her terms and her peace, Uh um, because at the end of the day, that is her family, that is her home and that is her children, too. And she also has to think about her sanity as well. So. Great, great um, <laughs> points on that. Thank you so much. All right, so we're going to jump right into our first segment, which is As Raw As It Gets. And I'm going to co-title it, Marcy Keeps It Raw, right? <laughs> um, because I have heard your show. Um, and I want to be able, again, to further expand just how comfortable we're going to get with this conversation. Um, when it comes to your parenting and your mothering, right, um, you're also an educator, but I consider you're an educator times two because you are, yes, an educator, but you have your child at home that your, your parenting is different from mine, right? To a certain extent, how is that life for you of having to also be an educator for him, an advocate for him? Um, I, uh, it, it's, I feel like I've gotten better with time. Uh, okay. at the beginning it was, it was really hard because uh, just balancing. Okay, so in the, the so I work the schools I work in, um, yeah. they really criticize parents that are not there for their children, the ones that don't show up to parent teacher conferences. And I'm not oh. saying like administration; it's more like teachers. And um, there was a. Uh, mm, 
one of my one of the people I follow, she posted something like, um, oh, who was it? It was she wrote a book. She wrote Malcriada. What is her name? Wait, I've seen that book. Oh my god, what is her name? Oh my god, I have to yet read it. It's on my list. All right, look it up. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Oh my god, oh my god, I know what the name. Oh. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's like at the tip of your tongue. Lorena Vila. Thank you, Lorena Vila. Yes. Posted yes, posted a reel, and that mm -hmm. it was like um, it, the audio is like, and the and the the woman was too shocked to speak, and she's like like doing a fist, but then the the caption she wrote in that is Anglo-Saxon, non 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 um, people of color, who criticize parents for not showing up to parent-teacher conferences. They can't afford to pay a babysitter. They can't afford to take a day off of work. And the fact that they can't show up does not mean that they're a bad parent, you know? Yeah. So that, like, there's a dichotomy, right? They expect parents to show up and just, like, do all these things, right? But then if you, as a mom, take time off to take care of your child, or if you, as a mom, um, let's say Aiden last year, his classroom went remote because they had covid the principal i was working at last year she was like oh but this is, it doesn't work like that i was like i'm sorry i don't have a nanny that i could leave my child with like are you fucking kidding me right, so right. like it, it, that that is just like in and of itself is like a lot to deal with um thank god i changed schools i don't work with that school anymore um good for you she was a freaking she you. was a freaking megalomaniac and, and mm. um a narcissist as well but um yeah, but like going back into the to, to the question, um, it's a lot, and it's different though, cause like I feel like a lot of the time, because I'm a special education teacher, sometimes I'm like, I wish I had a kid that was like my kid in the classroom, cause like you know I feel like I work really hard with him to get him ready mm -hmm. to you know to have the routines and all that, and to be you know respectful towards teachers and stuff like that, cause like even though I am a millennial, I'm very old school in the fact that like I like respectable of everything and te treating people with kindness and love like that's how I teach my child and then even though he you know he does have special needs and he does have his moments that he's upset um you know I I make sure that he is you know a decent member of society um because going back to the conversation about my best friend that passed away like her thing was before she passed she was like getting her daughter ready to exist in a world where she's not around all the time and she wanted to leave somebody that was good for society and that's basically how i operate you know um it is hard because sometimes i want to just you know i have to like lesson plan and stuff and and he needs attention and, and and all that but i do you know i do as much as i can i do i am the mom that sends him with food every day to school um, I don't cook every day, guys. Uh, I, yeah. I, I meal plan. But I do send them yeah. with hot food every day because I know he doesn't like the school lunch and stuff like that. Like, I do the little, like, certain little things. I'm not going to tell you I'm, like, that, like, type A mom. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take a day off of work and go see him in his performance. But I'll participate virtually, you know. So it's, like, finding mm -hmm. the balance that works for me has been a, a long time coming. But I feel like right now I'm, like, into the swing of being a mom and doing all these things, especially now that he's going to be a teenager next year. Of course, it's exciting. No, <laughs> it's I exciting. It is. No, it's exciting. He's still gonna be a baby. Um, for the purpose of clarification to my audience, would you like to elaborate a little bit on what his special needs are? Okay. Um, my son is uh was diagnosed with autism. 
Um, I had him uh, evaluated by our neuropsychologist and um, the diagnosis with autism, and he also has um, ADHD. Um, okay. But I feel like it's not, like, you know, when you think about kids with ADHD, for the most part, like the ones that you see on TV and that you mm -hmm. usually interact with, um, they're, like, hyper all the time. More His thing is more, like, attention. Like, he's, but okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't, like, it might be a misdiagnosis because I feel like his attention, for the most part, when it's something that he likes, he's, like, all the way into it. But if it's something okay. that he's not really cool with, he's, like, whatever. He's, like, oh. He knows what he likes. He knows what he likes. And that's what's important. Um, when it came to um, creating the platform that you have, Comadreando, um, which is great, right? Um, how was it um, being able to also get comfortable with including that into the conversation and being so open with it for yourself um, about what your motherhood looks like for everybody else to hear about it? Um, I feel like I've, I've been pretty transparent with it for the most part. Um, I don't really hide any parts of myself. Um, like at work, I don't really disclose a lot because like, I'm not yeah. really cool with people like that. But like, yeah. they do know my child has autism and all that. But um, yeah. I don't know, I feel like it was a conversation that needed to be had. A lot of people don't speak mm -hmm. about the things that they go through. And um, I feel like every time I met a mom with, with a child with special needs, either in the school or like moms from Aiden school, it was like, you know, we would have all these conversations that they didn't feel comfortable having with other people. So I kind of yeah. wanted to bring that um, to light and like help other people. Cause the thing, the whole show came about, I was on, on the show El Salon Chronicles and um, mm -hmm. that episode that I had got a lot of feedback from people mm -hmm. and they were like, no, we need more Marcy. And they asked me a lot of like intimate questions. Um, Cause like mm -hmm. Maddie, Maddie and Suli and Liz are really good about, <laughs> about the that. Uh, they're really Love good it. about that. So, um, you know, through all those questions, it was kind of like parents were like, you know, we want to hear more about that. Like, how is it for her? Like, how does she deal with these things? You know, even even like I, I did a safety episode with, with Yadi Gill and um, we I was talking about things that I hadn't ta spoken about to anyone, actually, like my son doing like throwing a blanket out the window and running outside, you know? Anybody that looks at it from an outside perspective is like, oh my God, you're a terrible mother. Like your child left the apartment, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's 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 the point the point of finger. Yeah, it's, it's things that happen, and 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 it's like how it's like you're growing and learning how your child is, and 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 at the same time growing and learning as a as a mom as well, you know. Right. And this is and this is exactly why I love so much for one, you've created this platform for yourself, but then also you are continuing to share your story. So for me, it's it's an honor to be able to have you here and being so transparent on it, um, because um, I don't talk about this too often. And I think I have mentioned it here on the platform, but and this is why I mentioned the whole oh, someone else has a worse thing, which is why I don't like it. Right. Um, with with me growing up, I've always been that top A class student, right? The 98s, the 99s, um, advanced class, um, the best class, what what have you. And very true. Yeah, you know, Marcy knows. Marcy knows. We're keeping it raw here. Marcy knows, right? And then add that to the neighborhoods we've grown up with, right? Okay. Um, because let's face it, I don't know how, about you, but if I used to bring the 90 home, and listen, everybody knows I love La Charo. La Charo is my mother, which, by the way, we're recording on her birthday. Oh, happy so birthday, happy birthday La Charo. to my mom. Okay, La Charo's my mom. 
But my mom was very um, tough with us when it came to school yeah. and very tough with me. Um, to your point, and you brought something to light, I want to share this. I, first and foremost, I respect my oldest siblings 1,000%. They have led as being role models in this household, regardless if I fight with them every single day. Um, and they are actually godparents to my son, my older brother, my older sister, right? But because they grew up in a household as, you know, the first generation of kids to immigrant parents, and my parents were always working, they made different decisions when it came to school as teenagers, yeah. right? Nevertheless, eventually they still got their credentials, they have their full-blown careers sitting, and they're doing what they need to do for their families, right? But because of that, when I came into high school, the story was different. I remember when my brother and my sister wanted to have a conversation with me about my behaviors in school because, you know, oh, my God, the worst thing I did was have a boyfriend. My grades were perfect, mind you. I was threatened. Like, they threatened my life. They were like, with, if you do something bad, like, four of us are going to kick your ass. Mom, dad, me, and Patty. Like, it was like that, right? And, 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 and they instilled that fear, right? But you know what? To a certain extent, that kept me pushing even when I left my home even when I left married even when I had a kid in the in, in towards the end of college the point was you're never stopping school right but since I was very very young my mother always used to look at me and be like oh you got a 98 uh next time you gotta get 100 yeah my mom's the same way you went through that okay perfect I'm glad you're saying this right so because of those pressures right when I became a mom I used to tell myself and I, I never put these pressures on my kid if my kid came home with an 80 he got a round of applause. Yeah. He did. I, I would. I made sure and I made that promise, right? Until he reached age four. No, age seven. It was seven. Sorry, seven. And he started having difficulties in class. Mm. And I thought it was the class. I thought it was the teacher because a lot of the kids were having issues. And the teacher was fairly elderly. Mm. And we came to find out a few things about her teaching tactics. And we realized this is not okay to the point that she was grading tests completely incorrect. Like, I would send the test back and say, no, this answer's right. We studied this. And she would have to rectify the test, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. But then more things started happening with my kid. And we realized that my child, I needed to get him evaluated, and he ended up having an IP. Um, there were certain um, difficulties he had in learning and comprehension. And... That was a little bit of a hit for me, being a kid that grew up always very excelled. Mm -hmm. And in this household, there's only 90-somethings and above, right? And so now having to realize that with my child, it's going to have to be a little different. And I cannot project onto him what I grew up in, right? Yeah. And I remember when I started talking about it and making my family understand, right, um, that, you know, this is going to be a little different, right? Mm -hmm. He's going to need more time to take tests. His, the way we study is going to be different. I cannot just sit there and tell. You remember when our parents used to sit there and ask you the same question over and over again the same way and you didn't get it? Yes. And then you would get slapped? Like, I couldn't do that with him, right? Because I would get slapped and I still didn't understand what he was telling me. I couldn't do that with him, right? But it put into perspective a lot for me, right? As I continue to see his progress throughout the years. Now you're looking at a kid who is in high school. He still gets his extra time. But my, my kid got a scholarship because he wrote an exceptional essay. Love it. My, my kid, yes, like my kid is making those progress. And so I feel like sometimes, forget the someone has a worse, is we all have it so different as mothers. And our children, regardless of what it is that a doctor or whomever evaluations want to diagnose them with, at the end of the day, you know your child. You know your child. 
I know my child, right? And it's so beautiful to me. That's why I'm telling you the teenage is so exciting because I think like you're really going to see him grow up even more into his own as a teenager um, because I've seen it in what my own child has had to have with his journey just to see the discipline that has naturally come into play for him on his own without me having to sit there and coach him through it or teach him through certain things. Um, and I'm excited for you. I'm very much so excited for you with that. Um, but I wanted to be transparent at this because, again, we all have different journeys. There are different levels. There are different levels as mothers. Um, you know, when they're ages one through four, we're thinking a million things for them, right? They're about to go to kindergarten, right? Um, but then other things may sometimes happen, and we may make new discoveries. And I love also the fact that when you've decided to speak on your journey, you're also speaking for him. Um, and I want to ask you a little bit about that. This show is sponsored by Queens Infusions, a mompreneur owned brand that creates terpenes and CBD infused wellness products. Woman owned, mompreneur, small business owned, Queens Infusions wellness products are homemade in small batches from locally sourced ingredients. And they are my absolute favorite to mellow out to chill to enjoy the scent the taste Ooh, you name it you don't want to miss this go to the show notes go to queens infusions etsy shop and at checkout use ddrt code for 20 percent off courtesy of double those raw talk podcast how has that journey evolved for you that's why I said you're his educator also, but also his advocate. How has that journey been for you really having a voice for him on his behalf? When I advocate for him, especially like not only in school, but like with my family, you know, a lot of people have a lot of opinions and um, it can be a little, um, como se dice en español, uh, chocante, like very um, off-putting, you know, um, but, you know, like teaching them and, and, and being his voice, it, it's changed over the years. Now it's more like, you know, just like teaching them, especially with the new school that he's at. When he was, um, when he first started in sixth grade, I had to basically uh, just teach them how he is and who he is as an individual and advocate for him because like they were, I felt at the beginning that they weren't giving him a chance or really getting to know him. So I was getting phone calls all the time and I'm like, what you, like what are you doing like what behavior plans are you putting in place what what are you like are you actually trying to get to know him or are you just judging him because you know he does have autism and he's uh i want to say like mid functioning like he's not high functioning but he's not he's not like nonverbal and 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 all that so you know what what are you trying to do to actually get to know him so uh, the advocacy has changed a little but um you know, I, I really take into account of who he is and is as an individual and what would make him happy. And, and that's where mm -hmm. I lead from. That's amazing. Oh, notice notice how you just said that. And this is what oh, again, you're like you're, you're warming <laughs> up my heart. And this is why I love your show. She's speaking feelings. She's speaking really being in tune and knowing her child. And I think a lot of the time being working mothers and yeah. First of all, shout out to Marcy for being the virtual mom because I'm the queen of emails when it comes to missing schooling, okay? I'm the queen of emails. Don't think because you don't see me and you see my mom walking them still to this day, you know, because those are grandbabies. You'll still get an email from me. You'll know, you'll know exactly who I am. They know my name up in that school. But I love how you said just being so in tune with him and just really knowing him um, because it goes to the point of we're the first educators. We're the first teachers at home. 
regardless. And a lot of these schools, I know they have a plan. I get it. There's always those plans that they may follow through with, and that's fine. But every child at the end of the day is different. And so we are, have to be able to curate. We sound like content creators, don't we? Curate to that <laughs> when it comes to our children too. Um, so I love so much that you just express just how in tune you are with who your child is, what his real his needs are, like really his needs. Um, because I wish that schools can also lead with that by example and combine it to the expertise that they have in front of them to offer and service our children as well. Um, so love it. Love, 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 love it. Um, I, speaking of the education, I want to go into the double or nothing segment. So we said you are an educator and this is where we're going to get a little bit more raw on another dose, right? Um, your journey as a special needs educator, right? How has that been for you knowing what you know from your own experience and how you service when it comes to your career? How has that journey been for you? So I, I want to share with the audience. When I first had Aiden diagnosed, I was I, my my bachelor's is in business administration and management. I used to work at a very popular bank, and then I got really burnt out. And um, at the time, I got burnt out was after I became a mom, and um, you know they're putting all these expectations on me with regards to sales, and I was just kind of like, what's the point? And uh, um, there was a lot of disconnect because the type of person that I am, I won't. I won't suggest something to somebody if I know that it's really not in their best interest. And that's the way that I teach. Amen. Okay. Yes. So yes. Um, there was a disconnect there. Then my son got diagnosed. Well, it was just a mess. Okay. So I'm going to be real. Um, with my son's father, there was a, a thing of like uh, domestic violence. Um, okay. So it was verbal. Um, eventually we separated and then um when we separated same Marcy yeah same. so it was like Get it was here, it was all of that stuff together right and then mm -hmm. my son gets diagnosed a few months after we separated and then I took three months off I asked them to demote me from a personal banker to a teller because I needed mm -hmm. to have a flexible schedule to be able to take care of my kid so I took three months off of family leave um to see how he was um responding to the therapies in that three months it was kind of like the pandemic but not really because there was no pandemic so I mm -hmm. like reevaluated my life I was like I really hate my job like yeah. what can I do that will make me happy and I remember my first job was a group leader for a, a summer camp program um, and I used to work here in the Heights. So uh, I was 18 and I was working with all the babies. And um, I was like, I really loved what I was doing then. Um, maybe I should go into do you, teaching. Before you continue, do you happen to remember what was the summer camp program's name? Uh, the children's, it's from the Children's Aid Society. I used to work at uh, PS8, which is in the Heights here in uh, like around 167 in Amsterdam. Before Marcy continues, this is why I say you never know. This is comadreando on a double dose, right? <laughs> That was my first job, group leading in an after-school program in my elementary school with New York City Mission Society. Oh, my God. And I did it all the way to age 18. And then I did a summer camp job. That's the awesome. Whole summer. Yeah. Amazing. But continue, continue. So that was my job. Like, literally, like, I would do the summer camp. I would do the after-school. And um, eventually, I started... Like, I just remembered, like, being so happy doing that. Like, because I was able to be creative. I was able to go out of the box. And, and I need that creativity to feel fulfilled as a as a, a professional. So um, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to apply to be, to do my master's, right? My mom's a teacher as well. I come from a, 
I come from a long line of teachers. Like um, a lot of my aunts are teachers. My mom's a teacher. Um, my cousins are teachers. Like everybody's a teacher in my family. Um, so I decided to go back to school. Uh, I applied and I got in to the master's program. Initially when I had just had Aiden, I applied for the teaching fellows, but I feel like they were catering more to people that were not like us. Okay. You know, okay. bringing, yeah. bringing people from the uh, Midwest over here to teach. But, um, mm. yeah, they made me hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, and then they're like, oh, the, the funding was cut. Yeah, you didn't make it. Please apply next year. So whatever. I got into my master's program and then, um, I applied for the department of education and I got in as an assistant teacher. And, um, when I was thinking about what to major in when I was applying for my master's, Aiden had just that gotten diagnosed and I started thinking about the special education teachers I knew from when I went to school and I was like, maybe I can change the narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe I can change the narrative and um, be an effective policy changer in, in respect to like integration. Because I remember when I was in school, I don't know if you went through the same thing, I really didn't really interact with the children with special needs in the school. Like they were mm -hmm, in a separate wing. Always. Completely separate. They were like wing. either at the end of the, like the hall in the smallest class ever, truly isolated and separated. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel that they and okay, we're getting raw here. Okay, you're talking about two New York City based women here. Okay. Do you feel that they used to classify that class as the bad class? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Same. Okay. Um that, that's exactly what that class was. Yeah. So quote unquote bla bad, right? Um Yeah, the quote unquote, yeah. Like, you guys don't sit with them. They sit over there. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I wanted to change that narrative. I didn't want my son to be ostracized, you know. I didn't want him to feel like he didn't belong in the school or that he had a completely different experience. So I was like, you know, it starts with me. So I wanted to be a special education teacher. And because, you know, I, I, I was there for his early intervention, which is when they provide services to get them up to speed as much as they can before they enter school age. Um, because I saw all of that, I was like, wow, I really love this. Like, I, I, I would love to, like, be a teacher and help um, babies and, and, and you know, school-aged children. So when I applied to work uh, as an assistant teacher, I got taken in by District 75, which is a, um, a district in New York City schools that specializes for children with special needs. But there's different schools that specialize in different things. And this one that I was working at particularly um, is really, really good with children with autism. So, um, you know, like all the way that they, they, they teach is like ABA based, which is applied behavior analysis. Like they teach the children replacement behaviors and how to integrate more. And they're all very like arts based as well. So they kind of feed into like those, those things that they're really, really good at and like, you know, tailor the teaching around there. So I really love that, that program. And, um, that's, that's how I, chose my specialty i mean I, I still work with obviously children all over but i feel like the kids with autism really have like a special place in my heart um that is like so beautiful <laughs> you're like listen sundays are like my day to like um we're recording on a sunday by the way um are my day to like really turn on the candles and just vibe it out in my home and one of the things I told Marcy to record this one because I just knew how meaningful this was going to be. I was like, let's drink it while we have, let, let's record it while we drink some coffee. And like, we're both having like our mugs, but like, it really, it puts me in a space of just knowing. Um, and, and I wanted to, it's so crazy. We were going to record a week ago and, you know, pneumonia was like ruining my life. So I'm just not getting my voice back. And it's so funny because 
what it means to be a mother, it's being recorded for me, right? In my opinion, what I'm bringing to the table right now to the show is being recorded on the day of my mother's birthday. And it's significant to me because no, no parent is perfect. We just do as perfect as we can and the best that we can, right? And in our children's eyes, at the end of the day, we are perfect. And so my mom, you know, four kids, you know, we all can sit there and we put her through shit. Like, let me not even lie. We put my mama through shit. But, you know, because of just knowing who she is as a mom to me, it has helped me so much in the mother that I am today. And this is really what this episode is about. And I love to do things so different, right? You would think I would wait till Mother's Day to do something like this. Absolutely not. Motherhood is like 24-7. This is why we're doctors, we're nurses. We're like everything in the book, right? Um, but there's more to this. Um, there's more to just being a mother, it's really being the voice for your child, especially when they're not yet speaking in those early ages. It's just really getting to know them. Like when we're sitting there, we're changing diapers. We're not just cleaning them up. Like we're making eye contact with these kids. At the, most of the time, we're negotiating with them to stay still so we can even change a damn diaper. Like there's just so much that comes to everything we do as moms. And to hear such an inspiring story of what led you into making this decision and happening so simultaneously, it's even more meaningful to what your platform is. And I'm just so proud of you, right? But like, you don't need to hear that from me, um, right? I mean, but it's crazy because again, I, I don't know this journey personally, but the truth is it could happen to me tomorrow. And you've created a platform that makes me feel comfortable with topic of conversation that growing up very Latinas in this society has not always been comfortable to talk about. Not in our communities. I'm Ecuadorian. Okay, so like in for Ecuadorian culture, it's like you really don't, if, if anybody's going through it, we really don't hear about it. Mm -hmm. They've never even heard of it. You know what I mean? So there's so much to this, and I'm so grateful that you do have this platform to help people be comfortable and transparent with this conversation. Um, one more question for you, yeah. because I love that this was your inspiring story in this entire experience of educator for, um, our children who are not sitting at that bad table, right? Let, let, let's specify that, um, your son and just your career. What has been just that one toughest experience you've ever had? Um, if any, let me be fair. Just like. I feel there was oh, okay. There was a the, there was like a time that I felt very defeated. Um, so Aiden was having issues on the bus, and if it was a kid that was like screaming like "Hi, bitch," he would go to the kid and like hug them really tightly to try to comfort them. But it came off like he's like trying to choke them or you know whatever. So I worked on that, and he doesn't do that anymore. But when he was like six years old. He was on the bus. There was like, it was like, I knew there was a trigger on the bus. I didn't know what, because they didn't let me ride the bus with him. So he, he started going after this girl and he would pull mm -hmm. her hair. But the girl was bigger than him. She was like in junior high school. She was, she was like down to throw down with Aiden. Okay. So girl, they had to take him off the bus. I used to have to leave work early. Like this was like for almost two weeks straight. Leave work early show up there shout out to the teacher she's actually one of my listeners um miss maddie Love it. maddie Love would it. stay without being paid after school and i'm not excusing his behavior at all but you know like the fact that you know dealing with my administration at the school running out doing that like it was like a whole week and by the end of the week i was so exhausted that i like 
just broke down and started crying. Like, how mm. can I do this? And I'm getting teary-eyed now. I'm like, how can I do this? How can I continue? And it was kind of like, it was like a dark moment for me. And, um, yeah, it, it's just, like, I felt like nobody could relate in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I felt very alone. It was very mm -hmm. isolating. Sorry. Oh, my God. I'm not meaning to make her cry. But, you know, <laughs> I appreciate you even being transparent with this. Because it's something that a lot of people m might be like, that's so small. It's not. No, it's a it's big not, deal. It's a big deal. Especially big deal. like if you're not if you're not ready to deal with something like that. Like I've I've and I've been very transparent on my platform. Like I have struggled with mental health issues. I actually um I wasn't diagnosed as depressed mm -hmm. um until like my thirties, but I know I was dealing with depression on and off like since I was like twenty. Mm -hmm. in um in school i was never on medication or anything like that but then there, there came a point um after the pandemic actually that it, it got really really bad and i had to like go back to therapy switch i had to dump my therapist and switch therapists and get on antidepressants and um mm -hmm. you know as a latina it takes a lot to like admit <laughs> like hey i'm not okay you know i need i need help and then um yeah like like it's it's just like, dealing with that, like, it, it seems like a small thing, like you said, but, like, if you're not in the right headspace to deal with something like that, it can take a toll on you. So, definitely. Absolutely. So, I'm a very big advocate for mental health, and um, I try to, like, tell moms, like, it's okay to ask for help and, and not to be okay. Like, you don't have mm -hmm. to have it together all the time, you know? Absolutely. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And thank you for saying that because the mental health piece is so crucial to our motherhood yes um we're gonna um lead into the last segment of the show <laughs> um because you know we're right there um and you know it gives an opportunity for the overdose to make this a happy moment so with the overdose which is our last segment we discuss a little bit anything that has made us very very happy um very very relevant overjoyed um or if you want to go on a quick rant please do so you have an open platform <laughs> to do so it could be absolutely about anything um so hit us with it marcy Okay, so one of one of the turning points I want to say, um, I was able to connect with uh, Claudia Mendoza, which is the uh, the ringleader of the Mami Chula Social Club, um, and um, that was like a deep moment of joy for me because I was able to connect with a community of women that are really girls, girls. Like I've said this before. Um, you know, I don't know, like the listeners know that there's like some people, some women that feel like it's a competition, right? If I shine, like if I'm shining, I, you can't shine, blah, blah, blah. And it, it, this is a completely different thing. It's like creating sisterhood. And, um, that's one of the things that has really overjoyed me, like connecting with women, feeding off of that energy and like really elevating each other in different ways has like really brought me a lot of joy. And, um, you know, when we get together, it, it you know, we do events and things like that. And it's, you know, we're shooting the shit and stuff like that, but it's also like, it's just so like positive and like uplifting and transformative. And it doesn't matter where you come from or, or what your background is, but we're there for each other. And it's like really bringing up that sisterhood aspect. So that's something that brings me joy, like on a consistent basis. Like the, the, the connections that I've made through the social club have really um, influenced my life and like pushed me to be more Marcy, you know, if that mm. makes any sense. 
more Marcy. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> I love it. First and foremost, let me just declare right now, I'm so, so inspired by them as well. And I would love to have um, them on the show. Uh, because I do think um, one of the things I embarked on, and I can definitely add that to this overdose, um, I've been sharing a little bit of recent journeys here um, on my platform. And one of them, and I'll elaborate on this, has definitely been um, truly putting purpose and with intention, who is it that I'm allowing into my space? And that includes from the females, um, you know, those that have those alike intentions and purpose um, because it keeps you so uplifted. Um, and recently I found it truly working a lot closer um, with women who keep me on track who keep me motivated, who see me and allow me to see them. And I want to encourage everyone on this really quick um, overjoyed overdose um, to really, really take that so seriously. You're not just hearing it from me time and time again, but you're hearing it from Marcy um, because you just sometimes, even though you, we don't need to constantly necessarily tell people all the business, but it's kind of nice when people just like see you and they understand you. And some things are better left unsaid, but it's so wonderful when you can feel them. Uh, you know, I have my close friends and I adore them. I do. I adore them. I adore my sister. I adore my comadres, right? But in recent weeks, I found myself, excuse me, my voice is like still coming back. I find myself um, being able to tap into so much of my in-depth um, experiences and feelings. And I have that to owe it to the women that I've been working with and that they have helped me on specific journeys and guiding me and mentoring me and coaching me. And that's been a different level of, you know, for the sake and the spirit of Comadreando, that's been a different level of Comadreando, to be honest with you. It's something that has been so unmatched. And a lot of them I haven't even... Some of them haven't even met a day in person. I've truly been able to do it in conversations just online, just virtually, just in a DM. Um, and it's because so many of us are choosing to be transparent and share our stories and our gems. And there's so much more to it. And, and I really want to encourage everyone to truly tap into that and, and, and to know that it's okay to be selective and to set those boundaries, to keep yourself around those people the ones that share those alike intentions and purpose, for sure. So thank you for that. Um, would you like to tell my audience where they can find you and listen to you and follow you, etc.? Okay. So you guys can find me on all podcast platforms, and the name of the show is Comadreando, C-O-M-A-D-R-E-A-N-D-O. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Comadreando Pod, And if you want to send me a comadregram, Email me at comadreando at escthenetwork.com um, or slide up into my DMs. <laughs> and you guys already know I always include all the good information in the show notes. And I want to thank you, Marcy, so much for agreeing to this recording. And again, just revealing so much and just allowing this moment just with some coffee and a microphone. <laughs> and, you know, with a fellow Bronx girl, um, you know, to really uh, just really put it out there and keep it all the way raw with audiences that the truth is I don't know who's going to be able to relate but I'm sure 
I'm sure we're going to hit a few people's hearts. Um, and I appreciate you for that. Thank you so much. Absolutely. All right, guys. And this has been another week and another episode on Double Dose of Raw Talk podcast. I am your host, Misty. And you guys will tune in next week. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And we are live on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Make sure to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe, rate, and review. Talk to you later. Bye.